Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's podcast. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's southsidesbc.org. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus and why we serve Him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thank you for listening. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Good to see you here on uh, this blessed Lord's Day. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn to your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and we'll get to that here in just a minute as we're going to read through um, quite a bit of text this morning as we uh, look at a uh, a story. I'm not sure how familiar you are with, but I kind of wanted to start out this morning. Listen, this is Christmas morning, and... um, I know some of you have family stuff. Maybe you had it last night. How many of you had your family stuff last night? Okay. How many of you did a little family stuff this morning? Okay. All right. How many of you got a little bit more family stuff to do this afternoon? Okay. There you go. So we're, uh, we're, we're all just experiencing lots of family. So we need lots of grace and forgiveness. Amen. All right. Um, now, I want, to, uh, I want to start out this morning. I don't know if maybe this year. I just want to get Mark where you, you come up. Maybe you can help me out here for just a minute. Um, and if you don't want to be on microphone, that's okay. But I want to ask you, what is the best Christmas present you have ever received? All right. Now we know we're going to talk about Jesus is the absolute best Christmas present ever. But as far as Christmas presents go here on earth, what is the best Christmas present you've ever received? Let me see some hands. Okay. Now I'm not going to let my wife go because I think she's probably going to steal uh, what I have. Okay. All right. Vince, go ahead. Uh, last year for Christmas, my father-in-law, uh, he got me a, a guitar. Okay. Number one of how many? <laughs> uh, if you, when you get a guitar for a guitar player, that's a good Christmas present, amen? All right, good deal. Who else? We got way over, way over here. Did I see another one over here? All right, we're just going to take a few, all right? I just want to see. I want to see what, how, how creative husbands have been and stuff, so. Um, so it as you get older, it's easy to forget presents. But this morning, Gabriel asked me if I wanted to snuggle with him. Aww. So at 12, I said that was the best Christmas present. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. That's good. Miss Connie? Um, I got an engagement ring for my husband, and it's been almost 34 years. Amen. 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 All right. I figured we might have had somebody in here to be uh, proposed on Christmas Day. So that's good. Um, anybody else? Okay. All right. All right. Best Christmas present ever. I was eight years old and I got a dollhouse. A dollhouse? I wanted it eight. like for years and years and years. And my parents were very like we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So it was like the best. There you go. Notice how it wasn't Jill or Kaylin. It was a it was a dollhouse. It was a dollhouse. There you go. Hey, when we're kids, we kind of look forward to those things for a long time. That's awesome, Mr. Keith. Forty six years ago tomorrow, I got my greatest Christmas present. Okay, so the day after Christmas, you guys got married. All right, awesome, awesome. Good. Anybody else? Anybody married on Christmas Day? No, nobody here married on Christmas Day. I have an aunt and uncle who got married on Christmas Day, and they celebrate their anniversary on Christmas Day. Miss Amy? Twelve years ago today, I got my greatest Christmas gift, Jonathan. Oh, there you go. Amen. Amen. 
And that's a good closer because that leads right into mine is 13 years ago today, uh, we had our middle child, who was the youngest child at the time, Jessica uh, Noel. We named her middle name. And so, and that was uh, Jonathan 12 years ago, right? Yeah, amen. So uh, some good Christmas presents and stuff. Well, listen, as we come today, we celebrate the greatest present um, ever, amen, that God could give us, and that is his son, Jesus Christ. We are so grateful and thankful for um, this, just the opportunity to celebrate that, and, and we give gifts uh, because God has given us the best gift ever, amen? Amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about a pretty special gift that uh, a couple in, in our text today received from the Lord. So look at Luke chapter 1. And uh, there, this is a, one of those stories that's in the birth narratives and so forth. It's not specifically the birth of Christ, um, but it is uh, leading up to the birth of Christ. So Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 5. The story we're going to look at this morning is that of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Uh, look at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the division of Abijah, His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now, it's pretty important. Zacharias was a priest, and Elizabeth was the daughter of a priest. All right? Didn't really have to be that way, but for a Jewish uh, person, this kind of, um, uh, this was authentication for uh, the pronouncement of the Lord. Verse 6 says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us um, how old they were. Uh, we, you know, that they were, uh, says we we're well advanced in years. Later on, uh, Zacharias calls himself old. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm 45. Am I old? Well, maybe not now, but then probably so. All right. Um, uh, you know, it says uh, well advanced in years, past childbearing age. We don't know exactly how old they were. Uh, maybe she was in her uh, late 40s, probably 50s, maybe even 60s. We don't know exactly. But uh, the interesting thing here was that however old they were, they didn't have any children. Now, the reason that's significant, because uh, in uh, that culture, uh, it was kind of looked upon as uh, that was a, a, a judgment from God. It was kind of looked upon very shamefully. People were uh, felt shame if they didn't have any children because uh, children are a heritage from the Lord. And so Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, you'll see from several comments they make uh, throughout the text this morning, were very... Um, very sad they didn't have any children while they continued to trust in the Lord and, and what we see. But they had uh, no children. And, and this was looked upon uh, in that culture as, as kind of being judgment from God. But, but Luke wants to make clear in the text here that this was not because of they had sinned or because they weren't walking with the Lord or anything. That's why I believe he includes what he includes here in verse 6, that they were both righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now, it doesn't mean they were perfect. doesn't mean they were sinless. It just means that they were God-fearing people. As a God-fearing man, God-fearing woman, they were living for the Lord. They were walking with the Lord. The fact that they had no child was not because uh, they weren't walking with the Lord. Nevertheless, they had no child. So we look at verse 8. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. 
Now, as the years had passed on, the sons of Aaron had, were, the, uh, were the priests. And as years uh, passed on, uh, they began to multiply. In fact, most scholars believe that by uh, this time, there were thousands of priests. So way back in 1 Chronicles chapter 23 and, and 24, um, the scripture sets, out, uh, sets the priests into 24 different divisions. So there were so many priests, they didn't need them. You know, you don't need several thousand priests at the temple serving all at one time. So uh, they uh, set up a a kind of a rotation, if you will. There were 24 divisions of priests, uh, uh, 24 groups divided by families and structured according to uh, what it states out there in 1 Chronicles 23 and 24. Each of the 24 divisions served in the temple twice a year for one week each and also at the festivals. So uh, some of you wonder, you know, is, is a, a nursery rotation biblical? Yes, it's biblical, okay? Uh, is an usher rotation biblical? It's biblical. That's about all the way back to Chronicles. Uh, they set up a rotation of serving priests. Now, there was something that was extra special, and that was uh, what it says here in verse 9, it says his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now we read that and we don't know much of the history of that. And it may just, we just kind of gloss over that. However, here's the deal. A priest, because there were so many, because there were several thousand, only had the opportunity to, 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 to uh, burn incense uh, at a, as in, in the temple once in their lifetime. Once in their lifetime. In fact, it was chosen by Lot. Some never got to do it. And so uh, when they got to do this, uh, then their name was taken out of it and they couldn't do it uh, again. So this was a special day already for Zacharias, not to mention what he was uh, getting ready to experience. Let's continue on. Verse 10 says, And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, uh, get the picture here that uh, Zacharias was serving uh, one of his two times during the year. And this was the first time he ever was burning incense uh, in, in, in the temple and serving in that way. And here an angel appears by that. He's like, whoa, does this happen all the time? I don't know. Uh, it was kind of caught him by surprise. Scripture says here uh, that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Uh, you know, when we stand in the presence of God or those who have been in the presence of God, we ought to stand in awe. Amen. And it says here, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Now, what prayer is the angel talking about here? You know, what has Zacharias been praying? Well, fortunately, the scripture goes on to tell us, it says, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. So we know that this Zacharias and Elizabeth had been barren. They'd not had a child. They were well advanced in years. So what had they been praying for? They'd been praying for a child. And what the angel now tells Zacharias and gets to deliver to Zacharias this good news is not only, Zacharias, are you going to get to have a child, but guess what child you're going to get to have. Look at this. Verse 14 says, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
So who's he describing there and who is, going to, who is this child going to be? They said his name was John. This is John the Baptist, the one who was to come uh, in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord, the forerunner to the Christ. So certainly Zacharias would have been excited. Zacharias, as a, a, a good priest, a godly man, would have been anticipating the Messiah to now be the one that's going to uh, father the, the one who is preparing the way for the Lord. Surely he would be excited, right? Well, not so fast. Look at verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, friends, I, I, let me just say this. Um, I, we're going to talk about the response of the angel here in just a minute. Um, and, and I don't know exactly the, the tone and stuff in which Zechariah said this, but that was just not the exact response that the angel was looking for. Let me just say that, okay? It was not the response. Listen, when God gives us good news, listen, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and we say, woo, that's kind of, you know, the excitement doesn't match the news, amen? You know, when the news here was, listen, you are going to have a son and not only are you going to have a son, after you've prayed for this for a long time, Zacharias, he is going to be John the Baptist, the forerunner to the Messiah, So look at what the angel says. Verse 19, because of his response, the angel answered and said to to, to Zacharias, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. So you can almost sense in the angel's voice there. Listen, Zacharias, here you're supposed to be excited. I was sent to give you good news, Zacharias. And all you say is, how shall I know this? Verse 20, behold, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Now, that's a pretty strong rebuke, wouldn't you say? Now, I guess it could have been stronger, but, 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 but the angel, and, angel expected Zacharias to be excited. And, you know, I, I, I'm a little puzzled at this, to be quite honest with you. You know, um, uh, when Abraham and Sarai, way back in the Old Testament, did not uh, have a child, Sarah questioned and said, how can I have a child when I'm so old? It, the question seemed very much like this question. Just a little bit later on in the same chapter, when the Gabriel, the same angel, appears to Mary and says, uh, Mary, you're going to be with child from the Holy Spirit and bear uh, the Messiah. Uh, Mary says, uh, you know, how can this be? So we don't understand. I don't understand exactly why. But uh, the one thing that I believe here is that and what we see in the text is that there must have been in Zacharias's tone, in his heart, in his attitude, some unbelief that maybe wasn't there in Mary and even really in Sarah so long ago. Nevertheless, for whatever reason, this was the, 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 uh, the, the rebuke that he got, that he was going to remain mute. Now, we don't know exactly what that meant. Could he not make a noise at all? Could he not just put words together? Whatever it is, we don't know. We know that he, he could still think and process and so forth because we talk a little bit here about some of the things that happened. But nevertheless, uh, that's what happened. Look at verse 21. The people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, obviously, they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned, uh, he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So you can imagine, here it is, here is is beginning of one of the greatest games of charades ever, right? Here he is trying to tell, angel appeared, you know, without saying anything, he's trying to communicate this, and they probably just could not understand. 
So as soon, uh, so it was, verse 23, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. So after his time of service there in the temple was, he went home and guessed the news that he had to give Elizabeth. Elizabeth, we're going to have a child, except for one problem. He couldn't speak. So again, you know, uh, I don't know what kind of game of charades, you know, was played there and so forth. But uh, nevertheless, um, Zacharias began uh, to believe what the angel was saying. And he, he somehow communicated this to Elizabeth. And, and let me just make note of this, and we'll pass over this kind of quickly. Uh, this birth was not an immaculate conception, okay? So they had to act in faith, okay? And so look at what it says there in verse 24. It says, now after these day, those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived... And then it says something here that puzzles me. Again, it says, And she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. Now, obviously, she was excited about this, uh, anticipating uh, having a child that she'd prayed for for someone. God's going to take away her approach. She's excited. Then why in the world did she hide herself? Why did she not uh, uh, come out and tell everybody and so forth? Well, I, I really have chewed on that this week, and here's the best I can come up with, and, and this is just pure speculation, to be quite honest with you. Uh, we, really, we really don't know, but, you know, first of all, let's put ourselves back in the context of 2,000 years ago. Um, there were no pregnancy tests, you know? It, it wasn't, oh, look, Zacharias, it's positive. No, there wasn't anything like that, right? Uh, there were uh, th- there were no doctors that you went to. You didn't go to the doctor and him give you a due date. All right, here's your due date. You can celebrate. Now you can post it on Facebook and start having all the whatever excitement you have with all that nowadays, right? It, 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 there wasn't any of that stuff. And so uh, I imagine Elizabeth wanted to wait. Uh, many times, maybe uh, much as a, as, a, as a lady who has maybe had a, a, a miscarriage now wants to wait. Uh, excited to tell uh, those friends and so forth, but a little nervous because wanting to know for sure. If you think about it, five months. I'm sure early on, maybe she experienced some uh, morning sickness, uh, maybe some of the other uh, physiological things that, that happened. And so she, she knew that really this was true, but she wanted to wait till she showed enough, I believe, uh, to... Uh, present herself to others and for them to begin celebrating with her. So in the meantime, we're going to skip over to verse 56 here, but in the meantime, in the next uh, verses here, what happens? The angel Gabriel goes at about after Elizabeth had been pregnant for about six months, goes to and appears to Mary and announces to Mary that you're going to be with child, right? Of the Holy One, of the Messiah. Uh, Mary and Elizabeth were uh, relatives, Many believe cousins, uh, possibly distant cousins, even could have been her, uh, Elizabeth could have been her aunt, seeing that she was uh, a good bit older uh, than Mary. But nevertheless, Mary went to Elizabeth to be with her, for them to celebrate together, for them to uh, share their pregnancies together. Elizabeth uh, pregnant with John the Baptist, Mary pregnant with the Lord. And uh, Mary then stayed with her. If you look at verse 56, it says, And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her house. So being at six months, three more months, I believe Mary maybe must have stayed until John was born or right about that time uh, for that. Look at verse 57. We pick up when, uh, when it's time for John to be born. Verse 57 says this, Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. 
When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So finally, when she came out of hiding and she told them, and then later on now that she's had the son, they rejoiced with her. They were so excited, not only that she had a child, but also who that child was going to be. Look at verse 59. It says, so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered, though, and said, no. He shall be called John. Why? Because that's what the angel told them to call him. She believed Zacharias had communicated that to her. Some reason they didn't believe her. They didn't name it that probably unless the father uh, gave his stamp of approval. Verse 61. But they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. So evidently, not only did they think that Zacharias was mute, but they must have also thought because he was mute that now he was deaf also. Them signing to him, uh, him signing back to them, you know, and, and whatever was going on there and so forth. Um, so finally, he says, in verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying his name is what? John. His name is John, and they all marveled. And look at verse 64, what happened. As soon as he wrote that, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. We see down in verse 67 through uh, the end of the chapter, Zacharias' praise to the Lord, his prophecy as he blesses the Lord, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So Zacharias prophesies about, uh, about the Messiah. Zacharias prophesies about his own son uh, preparing the way for the Lord And all the people were amazed. Verse 65 says, Fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now, we read that story, and obviously it's in the Scriptures to talk about God's uh, preparation and, and, and even uh, the, there was not just one miraculous birth, but two, even though it wasn't an immaculate uh, conception as, as the Lord's was, and it, it, he wasn't divine. He was the last prophet from the Old Testament that was preparing the way for the Lord, that was announcing the coming of the Messiah. Uh, and we see that here in Luke chapter 1. What, what's, so, what's so interesting about this, about Zacharias? Why did God uh, put, put this in the scriptures? Why does... Why do we have this here? I, you know, I believe we could bring, draw lots of conclusions, but I want to draw this morning just one. Just one. What happened when Zacharias questioned the angel? The angel what made him mute, right? Why? Because it said Zacharias did not believe him. And then when Zacharias was asked, what shall his name be? And, and he said, his name is John. That was authentication that now he did believe, right? And his mouth was opened. He praised the Lord. He'd had a lot of time to think about that then. Friends, here's what I want to say to you this morning, and that's this. You know, we try to do all sorts of things for God. You know, we try to do cartwheels. We try to do backflips. We try to do this and that. And we think we've got to impress God do you know what God wants from us more than anything else? He wants for us to believe him. He wants for us to trust him. 
When the scripture says something, the angel said this to Zacharias. He wants us simply to trust him. He wants us to trust that he is and is a rewarder of those who fear him. Amen? He wants us to trust that that little baby in the manger was his son, the second person of the Godhood that is written about so beautifully in John chapter 1. He wants us to trust that, that Jesus was the Word and the Word was with God in the beginning and the Word was God. Amen? He wants us to trust, uh, friends, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He wants us to trust what he says is true, that he, will, he has offered this son as a sacrifice for our sins. Friends, he wants us to trust that, that he is our creator and he's created uh, us and everything around us. Yet what do we do? We sin, we make up other things to believe instead of simply trusting God and his word. Amen? You know, one of the most beautiful things as a parent, um, uh, thank you for sharing that. Is, is, you know, I love, you know, kids come up and when they cuddle with you and as they get older, you know, they don't like to do that. So you enjoy that, you know, while, while you can and so forth. Um, but, you know, when your kids are little and they're standing on the side of the pool and they, you know, you say jump and then they trust you enough to jump. That's just great, isn't it? You know, when your kids would trust you enough to jump. And then when they get to be teenagers and you tell them, uh, you know, what to do and what not to do, and they just trust, well, actually when they're teenagers, they go do their own thing, right? (laughs) Instead of maybe doing exactly, but then later on in life, you know, if some of you who, your children are grown now, I I know for myself, uh, while our children aren't grown yet, you know, for myself, I went through those teenage years of where I really, you know, thought my dad didn't know anything. And then later on came back and said, well, maybe dad knows a little bit more than I thought. Right. <laughs> and I trusted even came to him for wisdom and so forth. Friends, here's what God wants from us. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe him. He wants us to simply believe that he is that he is a rewarder of those who fear him, and he wants us to walk with him, believing his word. Amen? So my question before you this morning is this, friends. First of all, do you believe? Do you believe that this is not just some uh, wonderful little fairy tale that, that, that has been made up, that is, is, is something just is cute and pretty and all that kind of stuff in a manger scene, all that, uh, but do you believe that Some 2,000 years ago, the second person of the Godhead stepped out of heaven and came to earth to become a little baby in a manger, in a feeding trough, to live a sinless life, to give of himself on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and for mine. Do you believe that? Do you believe that with all of your heart? Friends, I just want to encourage you, if there's any doubt in your mind, friends, listen, it's amazing to me that we will believe men before we will believe God. You know, many people just swallow evolution hook, line, and sinker when evolution is a theory that was devised by man. I don't know, but, you know, uh, man hasn't been around that long to kind of know what happened. God has. And so he's given us his word. You say, and some people say, well, pastor, how can I trust 
uh, God's word. How can I trust that these things happen? They, they, they're miraculous. They're supernatural. The things you're talking about that a woman conceived supernaturally, that the Holy Spirit uh, placed this child in her. And, and, and then that, 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 yes, okay, I can, he lived a sinless life. But then when he died on the cross, he rose from the dead. Nobody's defeated death. How, Pastor, how can I wrap my mind around this? How can I believe all of that? Friends, listen. If there is a God who has created everything that we know, I think the very God who created everything that we know, who created the very laws that hold everything into existence, can break those laws, can work around those laws, can do things however he wants to do them, friends, because he is the creator of everything, the sustainer of everything. And so, friends, when he wants to turn back time, he can. When he wants to break the power of death and rise from the dead, that's exactly what he did. Do you believe? Today. Today, friends, I just want to encourage you. I beg you, as Paul says, I plead with you, friends, to put your faith and trust in the word of God. Put your faith and trust that the reason we celebrate Christmas is because God came to earth for you. We're all sinners. We've all sinned against God. We need his forgiveness. We need, uh, in in one of two things, either we're going to pay for our sin by being separated from God for forever, or the good thing is, and here's the promise of God, that whosoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. God made it possible for you to be saved and spend eternity with him in heaven because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. When he died on the cross, he died in your place. So that if whoever believes in him, puts their faith in him. Do you know uh, the, the concepts of believing, of faith, of trusting are all the same concept in scripture. It is we put our, our whole weight of, 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 of everything we believe on that. I'm basing my life on this, that Jesus died to pay for my sins and to make me right with God. And that is how the only way I can spend forever with him in heaven. Amen. Friends, if you're here this morning and you've never, never received the Lord Jesus Christ, as we talked about last night, if you've never made room for him in your life, in your heart, I want to invite you to do that today. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? If you're here this morning, I don't want to leave without giving you an opportunity to respond to him. And so, very simply, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but today you're willing to say, God, I believe that Jesus was more than just a man. Yes, he was a man. He became a man. But before he was a man, he was fully God. I believe he stepped out of heaven and became a man to live a sinless life, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I believe that he not only died to pay for my sins, but he rose from the grave to give me new life. Today, I want to invite him into my life, put my faith and trust in him. As I said a minute ago, friends, the scripture says, Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Today, would you put your faith and trust in him? Lord, I thank you for what you've done for us. 
Lord, thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love for us, Lord. Lord, help us to never, ever, ever take for granted what you've done for us. Lord, for those who are here this morning and those who have um, received you as Lord and Savior already, Lord, uh, Lord, help us just to give us strength in our belief, Lord, strength in our faith. Don't let anything we come across in this world, uh, Lord, cause us to doubt. But help us to believe, Lord, just take you at your word to base our lives on that. We love you and thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to stand with me this morning. We're just going to sing um, just a whatever. I don't even know what song we're singing this morning, but just a little bit here, giving you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Maybe you want to, if you're here this morning and you've prayed to receive Christ for the very first time, we'd love to just celebrate with you. Wow, that'd be so exciting. Maybe you want to come and just pray to the Lord this morning, whatever it is. Maybe you just want to do business with God right there in your seat. Whatever it is, would you respond to Him as we sing? Joyful love the nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born. thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. Thank you so very much, Lord. As we celebrate today, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, to remember that you are, Lord Jesus, the greatest present we've ever had. God, thank you for sending him for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If this is your first time ever coming to Southside or second time, or if we can pray for you in any way, shape, or form, please fill out that Connect card at the baskets get passed. Just place that in the baskets. all you got to do. And Pastor Scott wants to meet you. He wants to put a face to the name. So please go outside those doors. He have a free gift for you. He'd love just to be able to meet you. So please introduce yourself to him. One thing before I let you guys go, just because I won't see you guys again before New Year's, but we want to let you guys know that we are back to our normal service times next week. So Connect Group's 9.30, normal worship service at 10.30, but apparently we're having a party at Pastor Scott's house New Year's Eve. Is that right? Is that right? We're crashing your house. Come on. No. Pastor Aww. Scott needs to get his sleep so he can preach on New Year's Day. <laughs> That's okay. And, we'll let Eli preach. Right, we'll let Eli go. preach. You good, and, bro? And, and, and we're not having connect groups next Sunday. We are so not having. Not, oh, no I got the wrong memo. Sunday, so, just service 1030. So. Beautiful. I messed that up. So 
I'm going to try again. We're going to rewind. We're going to try that again. Next week, we are not back to our normal service times. We are back to just pure 1030 worship service. So I pray that you have fun with your families today. Drive safe. Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you all next week. God bless you guys. Take care. You are dismissed.